Hello, hello, ladies, gentlemen, fanatics of all ages. Welcome to a midweek episode of Phillies Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, checking in with you with the Athletics' Matt Gelb, who's been back home up here in the Northeast for a couple of days now, who did not get to enjoy these past couple of, of thrashings that Phillies minor league pitchers have allowed us to all uh, partake in over the past couple of days. You know, this team started out so hot, and and then... Well, spring training happened. Anyway, spring has been going about as expected uh, for a number of different reasons. You're seeing a lot of looks at guys who stand no chance at making the roster, guys who are fighting for positions on the roster. It's ended up becoming a little bit more intriguing, I think, than maybe we were expecting it to at the outset. Not necessarily for all of the best reasons. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. I think you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Uh, but yes, uh, as always, joining me, my my cohort, my counterpart, my co-host, the Athletics, Matt Gale. Matt, how are you feeling? And how does it feel to have been away from uh, the team during part of this uh, Andrew Painter saga? A little weird, Paul. Uh, I'm home for about two weeks. Uh, it's probably the longest I'll be home uh, during a spring that I can remember. Um not necessarily my choice, but uh, I'm here and uh, I'm getting some mm-hmm. good time at home. And uh, I'm I'm also still picked up some stories to bring home with me, and uh, and you'll you've uh, you'll see some more in the athletic this week. But uh, yeah, following the painter stuff from here has been uh, has been a little more difficult. But uh, I'll try to shed some insight. Yeah. So, so so here's what's been a little bit weird about the painter thing. I think to me and a number of other people out there who are trying to follow this and are holding their breath for somewhere around, you know, 96 hours at this point <laughs> is that, is that we were told to expect some kind of update at the end of last week, right? Friday, maybe Saturday, there is some kind of second or third opinion at people being really careful, trying to make sure they're getting the information, right? I, I get that. But now here we are, we are recording this particular episode Tuesday night, well after close of business. So we're not expecting any sort of update to come down the pipe tonight. But we still don't really have any information. And every time somebody is asked, it's a little bit deflected and there's no update and we'll try and get something tomorrow. And I think that's adding to a little bit of consternation. But a viewpoint that you and I share is that this, despite all of this, this injury doesn't really feel that severe. What what do you know? Like, what is going on and why, you know, when can we expect to exhale, I guess? exhale now (laughs) i don't know when you can exhale um there's only so much i can say because most of the information i've gotten has been off the record i can't violate that and it's it's, sure it is a very strange uh it's an unusual one but i'll I'll go back to this i wrote this earlier this week uh i guess it would have been monday morning at the athletic uh I, i i made it i alluded to the idea that you know the delay was could be simply due to a second opinion not being immediately available and i believe that that is still why uh this has been held up uh there is a specific doctor and you can probably guess who it is because he's the guy uh who is doing you know all the work now he's really inherited james andrews's uh position as like you know Mm. doctor orthopedist to the baseball stars but neil (laughs) 
you ever have you ever looked up a photo of Neil Altrash? He looks like you know, like a, a a doctor from like a soap opera. He's a he's he's very uh he's very with good a name to guy. match. A name with to a name to match, match right, Oof. right. He's definitely like yeah, you know, uh some kind of like uh you know, murder mystery or something. <laughs> I don't know. The um, theater. The, I can't tell I don't know which side usually in the second opinion again i don't i can't tell you i don't know which side wanted the second opinion it almost always comes from the player's side almost always a player is the one who's triggering you know hey can we get someone else to look at this uh-huh i'm going to assume for for this purposes here that 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 is the case that that is painter's group that is saying painter painter and his people are saying like we want someone else to look at this I, I, I think it could be as simple as this is that I don't know that they've been able to get El Trash to look at the images that were taken. And I know it's been like a couple of days here. I have no idea why, um, you know, he, he is, you know, a lot of baseball teams and agents as his clients. Um, I, I don't know that I is from what I can discern and what I can say on the record is uh, that is my best uh, explanation slash guess as to what is happening here. And I understand everyone wanting to get their ducks in a row. Like, I, I think that's fair. Um, it's definitely dragged out way too long. And like the kind of, you know, the cryptic sort of messages are, it's not really fair that that falls to Rob Thompson, I guess. He's, you know, he's the one who meets with the media every day. So I guess it's by default, but um, I, I can't speak to the severity of the injury. I, 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 you know, I haven't heard anyone mention the word surgery to me. I don't think that that is, that is what's happening here. I think simply um, from what I can deduce and what I can share that this is about them just trying to get the second opinion to make sure that they're all on the same page and that, uh, you know, some kind of period of rest here for painter. I mean, very clearly like he's, he's not going to make the team. I think that's, you know, once he gets hurt, yeah. even if it was like a weak thing, um, they, they had a very deliberate plan for him this spring. Like he was going to ramp up pretty slow uh, because they didn't, you know, again, he's, you know, I got so many innings this year they, and, and actually in talking to him, he has a very deliberate, you know, ramp up process in any year period, not even in years where he's, you know, trying to okay. make a team as a teenager. I mean, he's very um, deliberate about it. Like, and, and <clears throat> he knows his body well. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think it's impressive. Like, I think a lot of kids might have tried to pitch through this, um, you know, oh, yeah. if it was, if it was, um, mild or even if it was actually hurting him a lot i mean i think um like i don't know he was a couple weeks away from making a major league team <laughs> yeah um, and he you know he said something so that's a good sign and it jives with everything i've heard about the kid is that he's just so mature and that also that he has such a good feel for his body and he knows when to push it when not to push it and i wrote you know at length about the work he's done with brian kaplan who's their assistant pitching coach and director of pitching development and has known painter since he was 14 years old um, a lot of their work was about understanding how his body moves and how to have the proper pitching program and throwing program. And, um, it's, it's disappointing. Like, I, you know, even if it is a, 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 you know, a minor injury and I don't even know if you can characterize it as that, I'm not sure it's, it's disappointing. I mean, I think we were all yeah. really excited and we got a taste of it, um, that day in Fort Myers. And, um, you know, I had reached out to, uh, 
different analysts and scouts from other teams after the outing, like after there was some tape, after there was some data on him, because he was mm-hmm. pitching in a park with Hawkeye technology installed. And like the, the universal response from these people uh, was like, this guy's a big league pitcher now. And uh, the, the stuff has, you know, the pitches had characteristics of successful big league pitchers and he's, and he's not even 20 yet. And yeah, I mean, I think it's disappointing, but I, I, I still think Andrew Painter is going to pitch for the Phillies this season. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. I mean, for me, that counts as something of a reason to exhale, right? Because it, all along, I've been trying not to jinx it, I've been trying not to mush it, but it didn't, it didn't ever feel like we were on the cusp of getting the bad three word news of Tommy John surgery or something like that. You know, like damaged UCL, like tender elbow. You think, okay, that worries you for a pitcher, but it's just. Something about it never struck me as as being that severe. I I couldn't tell you why, but it's nice to hear. And I'll I'll echo what you were saying that he came forward, that Painter came forward and was like something feels off because of that exact reason. He's a 19 year old who, if he stays healthy and pitches through the spring, is probably making the team. You know, we were alluding to this, and you you especially had the 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 strong feeling last early last off season, this off season that this guy was going to get every chance and probably even be favored to make the team over the likes of a Bailey Falter or Michael Plasmeyer or somebody else you'd put at the bottom of the rotation. It just, there was that belief that he would, he would show this stuff that he would uh, prove himself in this audition in spring training and break camp with the team. And now we don't have that and that's okay. It is a little bit disappointing. It is a little bit disappointing that you don't get to see a 19 year old with this much hype and this much promise, start a game for the Phillies. That that would have been really cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, but at the same time, if you flip the thing, if you flip it around a little bit, right? Let's get a little practical. Let's let's get a little grounded and think about the long view here. Painter was not going to spend the entire season on the roster, on the active roster with the Phillies. He just wasn't. Whatever the move was going to be, whatever might have happened, maybe he would have gotten hurt midseason. Hopefully not chances are 99.99% that he was either going to get optioned or put on some kind of list to, to rest himself, to do something to preserve his arm in the middle of this year, to manage his workload. Uh, he just wasn't going to pitch 150 innings at the big league level this year. Now we're just adjusting the timeline a little bit. You can think of it that way. There is an injury to get through and that complicates things a little bit. But assuming it is as relatively minor as it seems to be shaping up, and we hope it stays that way, so I'm going to keep talking as if it will be, that he'll miss a few weeks, he'll be set back a little bit, and he'll start the year in double A AA or triple A. But he'll eventually come up. And at that point, we'll be back on whatever schedule you know the team might have had in place for him to try and manage that workload, to try and make sure he gets them the quality innings that they were trying to get out of him while knowing that he was not going to pitch a full season. It's just the order of things is a little bit switched up. So it's disappointing. Sure. I would have loved to have seen the kid make, you know, his first start in the first couple of weeks of Thank the year stadium break camp. Yeah, that would have been amazing, <laughs> you know? And so we have to wait a little bit longer. Okay. It's kind of like how we have to wait for the lineup to be at full strength until the middle of the summer when Harper comes back and you hope everybody else is healthy then. So it, it's things at first, but I'm I'm with you in the camp of expecting something relatively minor, few weeks off, rehab, get back to it, get back throwing, 
double A, triple A, wherever the assignment ends up being by mid to late April. And then we'll see how things go from there. I do think it's weird because like there are people, honestly, like a lot of the feedback and a lot of the chatter I've heard is like, oh, the Phillies were just like looking for an excuse to, you know, slow him or Scott Boris is looking for an excuse to, you know, protect him. And I, I have to like, I have to quibble with like both of those assessments. I mean, I, I, the Phillies really, my view of this is that the Phillies really wanted him to be the fifth starter. Mm. Like they really wanted him to be the fifth starter. They thought he could do it. They thought he could handle it. They thought there was a reason why they were doing this. They, they had a plan to, you know, to get him through the season. No, he was not going to make 30 starts. No, he wasn't going to pitch. 150 innings. I don't know. I don't know how many innings he's going to pitch. It wasn't going to be 150. It was probably like 130-ish, right? Best case scenario. And um, they they were going to use a six-star. They were going to skip him at times. I mean, they had a whole thing mapped out. They had ideas. Um, does it make? Does this make it easier on them? I don't know. Like, it depends on how he comes back, right? It depends on how long it, he's out, you know, what he looks like when he comes back. But in the case of Boris, I guess, like, Scott Boris you know, he wants Andrew Painter to get to free agency as soon as possible. You know, if, if, if Andrew Painter made his debut on the opening day roster uh, and and stayed in the majors after that, you know, he would have gotten to free agency at like age 26. Mm. Like he could have made a lot of money. I mean, he's still going to make a lot of money, but I mean, like, it's not like <laughs> yeah, Scott Boris right. is incentivized to hold him back. And of course, you know, Boris is, is invested in the health and the long-term health of his client the Phillies are invested in the long-term health of their pitcher as well. And I don't think this is like a butting heads kind of thing. Like I, I do really think that this is just kind of like a, almost like a procedural delay and that they just want to make sure. And, and honestly, when you're dealing with a kid like this, I get it. Like has the secrecy been a little weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I get that. They don't want to say anything. Cause what happens if, you know, the doctor looks at it and sees something and it's like, Oh, well, sure. You know, Maybe it's worse than you thought. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I don't know. And they don't know for sure. I mean, there's a reason why this guy, this doctor is, you know, does what he does and is paid what he gets paid. Don't even want to know. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, he, he's good. He's very good at this. So uh, I don't think anyone was like trying to slow play us on purpose and nobody wants to see the kid get hurt. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I think, uh, in the end, yeah, it's it's a shame that we're not going to see him at the beginning of the year. But I, I think I really think he's in play for for a lot of starts for the Phillies this year. And um, don't know when now. That's the big question. And now you know you kind of got to go go from there. Like I mean, I think you got to look at the other candidates in the you know for the rotation in the spring. And one guy particularly sticks out. And um, you know, Painter will be a factor. I, I think as long as he comes back healthy. Yeah. I mean, not wanting to say something for fear of uh, jinxing it is very relatable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the domino effects, of course, of Painter missing some time and, and this fifth starter rotation uh, uh, rotation spot being more of an open competition rolls on down to some other guys on the roster. Whereas we might have come in assuming that Painter gets the job if he gets through spring training. Well, now he's not made it through spring training. <laughs> And all of a sudden, hey, what do you know? Here's Bailey Falter and Michael Plassmeyer and and who knows who else with a shot. Sanchez. Chris Sanchez. Well, yeah, Nick yeah, Nelson. The, the eternal up and down of, of Chris Sanchez and, and the swingman tendencies of Nick Nelson. Who knows what I still 
am not convinced that we're going to see one steady role for those last two guys. But anyway, it's a competition again. It's open. But you could probably say that Bailey Falter is now the leader in the clubhouse, literally and figuratively. Uh, he's got the experience. He's posted decent enough results. He can, you know, eat up a few innings and a start, which is more than you can likely expect out of someone like Nelson at this point anyway. So what do we think about Bailey Falter now being the presumed number five starter? Is there a competition? Is he that far in front now? Or what else do we need to keep in mind as we think about this new landscape for the fifth starter position in the wake of Painter's injury? Bailey Falter is the fifth starter. Well, there you go. I mean, I, you know, he's the guy like I, there's no one else. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's the guy. Uh, I watched his outing today. Like, I, I it's funny because I got a text from a scout afterward and he was just kind of like, I don't get it. <laughs> he's like, I don't get how he gets out. It's like he gets mm-hmm. out. Um, he's like, he's just, you know, he's just gets out. He's kind of mediocre, but he just gets out. He gets all these whiffs, he's 90 miles an hour, like at the top of the zone and he gets all these whiffs on it. And the extension is a real thing. It is deceptive, yeah. gets on guys faster than they think. And, um, you know, I wrote about him really this spring. I mean, he's trying to change up, like he needs something else for right-handed hitters. I mean, go back and look at his splits. I mean, right. He's just crushed him, crushed yeah. him. And you know, that's going to be, you know, the difference in him being a fifth starter or an up and down guy, six fifth starter, or, you know, a fourth starter you know, whether he can find a way to get righties out. And, you know, I think right now, like he, to me, he looks like he is very, he is a very fifth starter. Like that is Bailey <laughs> Falter to me. He is a he very, is fifth, very starter. fifth starter. <laughs> and, and and that's okay. Like that's all they need right now. Sure. Um, and, and like Bailey made some big starts for them down the stretch last year. Like I think some people have forgotten it, but a lot of people haven't. I mean, he made some huge freaking starts for them you know, late August into September. Um, yes. Did they tailor it? Like, did they find ways to get him favorable matchups? They really did. We go back and look at who some of his starts were against, sure. but also remember that the national league is terrible again this year. And there'll be plenty of bad teams for him to pitch against. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, you know, I think he's fine. You know, I think, I think you do a lot worse than Bailey falters, your fifth starter. Um, you know, you look across the league and you look at who fifth stars are going to be across the league and, and you'd be surprised where he would slot. He's probably right about average. He's probably an average fifth starter. Um, and and that's, that's that'll be their guy. You know, and, and Plasmeyer and Sanchez and Nelson, you know, will, will be good depth. Like, Plasmeyer is interesting to me. They gave him a cutter. Um, you know, not afraid to throw strikes. Um, definitely a guy who could make some spot starts for them this year. I think he's really solid depth. Nothing more than that. Um, Sanchez, I have no idea. He's barely pitched. He got into a game finally. Um, he had a back thing. I, I've always thought Sanchez should be a reliever. Um, is it funny that he got into a game against the Rays and Curtis Mead was playing for the Rays today? Or should we not <laughs> they talk just about missed. They just missed being matched up, I think, by two batters. Their appearances just missed. Jeff Passan tweeted something about Curtis Mead today. About, I uh, saw that. An extension candidate, which typically yeah. means that Jeff's heard something and Curtis Mead's going to get an extension before he plays in the major leagues. And um, boy, that was a bad trade. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's, we could talk about this for a second here because it, in, case, in case you were unaware, uh, in case you hadn't really fully clicked back in um, with the Phillies 
maybe you did because it was in the wake of, of Bryce Harper signing, but the Phillies still hadn't made the playoffs. Obviously things were going well, they were still pretty flat. Let's say anyway, in the 2019 offseason, uh, then general manager, Matt Klintak traded Curtis Mead, who was a, a teenage complex prospect. He was barely even a prospect. He wasn't really that well known. He was certainly yeah. not what he is today, but they traded uh, Curtis Mead to the Rays straight up for Chris Sanchez. That was late November 2019. And now we see what's happened. We have Chris Sanchez, who's an up and down guy with no set role on a Phillies pitching staff, while he was thought to be more intriguing as an arm at the time. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a bet. It was a, it was a medium stakes bet at the time. And Sanchez hasn't really panned out so far. He's fine. He's still kind of I, interesting. I remember the I remember the front office being really excited about that trade because I felt like yeah. they'd pulled one over the raise because like Sanchez. Yeah. You know, they had a 40-man roster crunch, and they couldn't get Sanchez on. It's like, oh, this is a guy who, you know, would be on anyone else's 40-man roster, but it, because mm-hmm. it's the Rays, like, they don't have space for him. And, you know, we're, we we just picked up, you know, a hard-throwing left-hander, you know, for, for a teenager, for a complex kid. We don't know what he's going to be. Yeah. And uh, it was a bad trade. Yeah. And so now you have Meade, who still doesn't really have a defensive position. If there's a drawback to his prospect status, it's that he doesn't have one set position on the diamond. He plays all that well. You'll see him roam across the infield, probably do a little bit of outfield. He is now a consensus top 30-ish prospects, maybe a little higher really? depending on who you wow. ask. Yeah, okay. he's he's really good. The guy can hit. Uh, he, he put up a couple hits today, I think, and another hard hit ball that maybe went a fielder's choice. Um, he's a bat. He's a bat. He's, you know, 22 years old. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rays do something with him that ends up looking, you know, like a bargain in a couple of years. Again, the only thing is that we don't know what position he's going to play. Maybe the Rays do. It doesn't seem apparent from right now. But yeah, in hindsight. Yeah. And in hindsight, you're like three years. uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) In hindsight, would you not do that trade? Uh, Yeah, probably not. Is there (laughs) is there a guarantee that the Phillies would turn meat into the the prospect he's become now? No, No, there's no guarantee of that. It's just it's needling to look back at that and be like, you can't figure out what to do with Sanchez while Meade has only seen his star rise over the past yeah. few years. Anyway, I think Sanchez is a reliever. Like, I, and I know there's people in the organization who would really like them to bake him a reliever and just commit to it. I think they haven't done it because you know they don't have. And now a painter hurt. I mean, and again, we don't know how he'll be out. They don't have like a ton of depth rotation wise. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, after Falter, it's Plasmeyer, and then. I guess Nelson, like, I think it's very possible that Nick Nelson begins the season at AAA because they want him to be starting. And that means they carry somebody else, you know, for that eighth spot in the bullpen, you know, that big competition for the final spot in the bullpen. And um, uh, so Sanchez could be back as a starter, kind of limbo again, because they just don't have great depth there. Um, I, I think he's got more value to them as a reliever, and I would make that move now. Yeah, the only other pitchers on the 40-man that we haven't at least talked about a little bit are James McArthur and then in the bullpen. more Also likely probably not league. starting this year. Yeah, it doesn't seem likely. We have uh, Eric Ullman, um, Junior Marte, Luis Ortiz, and Junior Andrew Marte Baskins. has been my – has been uh, – I've gotten a lot of feedback on him from other teams. They uh, they like Junior Marte. Big stuff. And Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, was the, that was the whisper on him coming over, that he was a guy with, you know, big arm stuff is apparent not sure if he's going to be able to harness it and even in his first appearance you could see uh yeah and i i made a remark on this he seems like the kind of guy who in the middle of the summer 
is either going to be that story of, oh, the guy with all the promise is finally putting it together and he's going to reemerge and be a big time contributor. Or he gets the Alvarado treatment uh, pre-resurgence where he's like, it just isn't working and we need to figure out why. It's just another case of new new scenery, new ballpark, new team, and still the stuff can't quite match the results. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. It feels like a coin flip right now, but it feels like it's going to be one of those two extremes with very little in between, but it's tantalizing and I get it. I could see why pitching coaches want to work with him. Right. And they have so much depth that he, you know, he's probably starting near AAA. They've got options on him. And mm. um, this also just made me look up that Sam Coonrod has been doing this spring for the Mets. Drum roll, please. Three, three innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, five strikeouts. That's fine. Good for him. I think I saw a story that Anthony DeComo wrote that he's like, you know, he said he's finally pitching pain-free after years of shoulder problems. And I was like, well, that's not something that he ever talked about. Um, yeah, that feels like news. You know, he had some issues last year. and I always thought, and I don't know, I just have a hunch. I think he was a spider tech guy. Wow. Well, and know. we're going to see we're going to see a little more uh, enforcement of that. Apparently, yeah. If that apparently that's going to yeah. make a comeback. Yeah, it is. Sure. He did say yes. He did tell me. I remember last year he said he had a partially torn rotator cuff. That's in the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, that he did make it. it all the way back. But then, yeah, they sent him home at the end of the year. Like he didn't even go to like the stay ready camp during the playoffs. Um. Yeah, Marte. Sorry, you were going over the other forty man pitchers. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's really not a lot of starting depth on no. the forty man. Um. You know, maybe McGarry and Abel pitch their way into something, you know, in the come to summertime. Um, you know, we probably could talk for 45 minutes about McGarry, but I don't know. Just not going to read too much into it. He, he kind of, yeah. I want to see what it looks like uh, at AAA this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's Falter. And then, you know, you you know, maybe maybe they end up signing a veteran who gets released to a minor league contract, send him to AAA and say, look, there's a great opportunity here you know, pitch well. And, uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of depth. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's better than it was last year. I think it's not great though. Still. Well, speaking of better than it was last year, I guess this was more of a 2022 thing, but we're going to, we're going to keep it rolling. Alec Bohm was better in 2022 <laughs> than he was in 2021. Uh, that was a bit of a stretch. I'm sorry. I'll just apologize for that right now. That was but solid. Alec Bohm, Alec Bohm has come into the 2023 season with something of a weight off of his back. Maybe not entirely, maybe not fully. Maybe he's, you know, not home free in terms of his long-term future with the Phillies. Maybe if you wanted to be a little bit conservative, but the Alec Bohm that we see in spring training this year, spring 2023 is a guy who's playing loose is a guy who's swinging at strikes and a guy who, when he's making contact, is making big contact. I mean, big contact. This guy has hit a couple of long home runs so far early in the spring. And while it's tempting to read too much into spring performance, as it always is, he's only struck out one time in his you know 18-20 plate appearances coming into today. He's got those home runs. He's making good decisions at the plate with his swings. This is somebody who, and I've fallen into this trap before, I have. He looked really good in spring a couple of years ago, and I thought, this is going to carry over, and then it did not. 
But something is a little bit different about Alec Bohm this year, isn't it? It is. And you can read about him at The Athletic uh, Wednesday morning. I have a feature uh, that'll be posted. Um, to your point about the spring stats, and I am looking at my story now and I cannot find it. Why did I forget to do that? It's in there somewhere. I can't <laughs> find it, but he's got three homers. You know, he had three homers in his first 17 ABs uh, mm-hmm. in spring this year. And again, it means nothing. Um, I think he had like three homers in like the previous three springs combined, um, you know, in like a hundred something at bats. That makes sense to um, me. You know, I think a lot of the focus on bone this spring has been about the added muscle. Right. And that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, like 10 ish, you know, maybe a little more pounds of, I'm always skeptical when there's like 10 pounds of muscle or 15 pounds of muscle. It's like, that's a lot. It's usually that a little, a lot, it's right? usually, <laughs> yeah, it's usually a, an exaggeration, but um, sorry. He had two best home runs. Life. Yeah. Best shape of his life. Two home runs in the previous three springs combined. It was like 102 ABs. There you go. Um, three and 17 this year. And um, I, I think a lot has been made of the strength and I think it's certainly important and, and credit to him for, you know, putting in the work in the off season to do that. But as you'll read in my feature that I wrote uh, at the athletic, like it's, it is, it is awesome to talk to Bohm right now and hear him describe his progression uh, mentally approach wise. Like, I mean, he made it Paul to the other side. Hmm. Like think about a year ago now. I mean, he was not looking confident. He was, uh, the subject of trade talks, quite frankly, I mean, the, the Phillies had told other teams he was available. You know, remember, I mean, it was like Stott or Bohm at third base last year. Yeah. Last right. Bryson Stott, the third baseman. Yeah. I mean, he had finished the season in the minors or he, he got up to the majors at the very end in 2021, but he had spent about six weeks in the minors. Um, he made it to the other side and like last year was not, I don't think it, you know, you can't characterize it as a breakout season. He had a hundred OPS plus. He was a yeah. league average, right? but I think it was so, um, it was so impressive to watch him gain confidence over the year, both defensively and offensively. And then talking to him now, the spring, the strength is definitely a thing, but like the way he's looking at things at the plate, it is just, he he's figured it out. Like he has figured it out and I don't know what it's going to lead to. Like, it's not, I'm not predicting like Alec Bohm breakout season. I'm not predicting 25 homers. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but you have to love like the, the attitude and like his perspective right now on things. And like, he, he's having fun. Like he is having fun. And he admitted that he was not having fun. And like that, like the, the cage work last spring felt like work and it didn't feel good. And like, he was so lost and, I think he's he's got such a great outlook on things right now. Like he he's going to be a little more patient. Um, he swung at a lot of first pitches last year. Um, he improved his numbers against fastballs, but not you know they were still not uh, you know league average. Like his slugging percentage was below league average on fastballs. I can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more about like he's like I need to do a better job of like giving them a chance to make a mistake. And one of the things that Kevin Long has been telling him, and this is not a Kevin Long phrase, this is a phrase that I've heard other people talk about, and it, and I think it's a beautiful way of looking at things if you're a hitter, and it's that home runs are thrown, not hit. Mm. And it's so true. 
mean, most home runs that are hit are mistake pitches. They're they're strikes. They're over the plate. Uh, and, and Bohm felt like he would too often swing earlier in the count because he could reach. You know, he's got great in all a great all fields approach, right? I mean, he could go the other way sure. on a pitch that's thrown away, but it's a single, you know, to right and. He's like, well, what if I gave him a chance to make a mistake? I mean, what if I just laid off that pitch and maybe it cuts away and it's ball one and now I'm one oh and now I might get a heater, you know, in the strike zone and I have a chance to do damage. And, you know, for years, you know, when he was the, you know, when the hitting development in the Philly system after he was drafted third overall was like, we need to unlock his pull side power, right? And it was all about lifting the ball and launching it. And he just it never clicked with him. It never it wasn't the right instruction. Um, I think he's, I think he's got better avenues, better paths toward unlocking that power this season with the way he is mentally and also physically, obviously. And that part is beautiful because I remember, I remember moaning about Alec Bohm last off season into the early part of last regular season, lamenting him as a microcosm of all of the things that felt like they were going wrong about Correct. development with this yes. system. You know, the team just, they couldn't get guys to successfully graduate. You know, here was Bohm who had a really nice, you know, short burst in the shortened 2020 season, came back and fell mostly flat throughout, you know, most of 2021 and then started 22 slow. And you're like, what is it going to take? What, what needs to happen here? And so having that click in and having him get that added comfort, like you were saying, you could tell that he looked more comfortable as the season went on. He wasn't perfect for sure. We all know that, but he definitely looked more comfortable. Now, the more interesting part to me, I think in this spring, more than just the power, and he has, you know, one of his home runs, I think was really long to right center field. Like it was beautiful. The the defense, I think, is going to be the more interesting part because that's going to determine a lot about his future with the Phillies and in no general. Question. Yeah. And if he's able to continue playing a steady third base, call it, Average, maybe a little bit below average because range still isn't great. Arm is fine, um, but he's obviously long enough that he can he can reach some balls. And he's everything about him on defense looks like it continues to improve, maybe slowly. But to my eye, things are still looking pretty good this spring. Limited plays, limited exposure, small sample size. I'm taking the positives where I can get it. I think if that's something that can hang in there for a few more years, if he can make years. third base work, yeah. 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 If he can make third base work for even three more years, you know, yeah. take him up until he's late twenties. That would be a huge deal because yeah, it would if be a huge able- deal given, given the contract situation with some of yes. these other guys. Yes. Yes. Look at some point, the roster is going to become a little bit crunched as some of these contracts age a little bit and the fit becomes, you know, a little more convoluted and, you know, first base needs to be decided and the full-time DH needs to be decided, especially as you consider the future health of some of these guys, blah, 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 on and on and on. If you have somebody who can competently play third base with a glove, uh, as opposed to another man with a glove and can hit at the rate that you expect somebody like Bohm's pedigree to hit, because when he was drafted, he was drafted for his bat. There were concerns, you know, right away, like uh, he's probably not going to stick at third base for very long, but boy, can he hit. Like that's kind of the guy that was promised coming out of college. If he can make this spring look real, if he can carry over the the open-mindedness, the new perspective that you're talking about, the improved swing decisions, the uh the the hard contact, 
if he can put all of that together, which is the big mystery for so many of these guys, but if mm-hmm. he can put all that together, the Phillies have a really important player waiting in the wings here for their next couple of years. If he can hold down third base and play like that, even if it's not, you know, a Nolan Arenado level, and I'm not, I'm not talking about with the glove because he'll never be that. Not really even the bat either. I don't. Bad comparison. If he can play, poor man's the, poor, poor man. That was Nolan Arenado. Yeah, yeah that you're, was. You're, you're really. Yeah, that you're was bad. Here. That was bad. But if he can, <laughs> if <laughs> look, if he can just make third base work. Yes. That that sounds like a pejorative, but it's not. I, I promise you, it's not. If he can make third base work, and that's it. That's all he needs to do. That's baseline. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important player. And that's what's really got me encouraged about what we're seeing so far this spring. I know we've been burned before. There's a chance he can come out slow. Things do look and feel a little bit different. And it's nice to hear that reinforced by the man himself, by your conversations with him. Yeah, and feeling I mean, like he's totally, less burdened. totally different conversations than a year ago at this time. I mean, I remember watching him a year ago at this time being like, this guy's got not only does he have zero confidence, but like he knows that everyone else knows that he has zero confidence and, and it was just a bad, it was a bad situation and correct him. He got to the other side, you know, and Kevin Long and Bobby Dickerson were huge for his career. And I wonder, you know, what if he hadn't come, you know, come across them? Uh, and I, I don't know, but he went third overall for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we're starting to see some of that, you know, some of that talent unlocked. And again, he only had a hundred OPS plus last year. Like there's so much more improvement to be made and we'll see if he can do it. So you're talking about defense, Paul. I got to interject here. I just saw yeah. the lineup for the first World Baseball Classic game tonight. It's in Netherlands against Cuba. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Didi Gregorius is playing on the field for the Netherlands? Oh, I have not seen this, so this is going to be a nice surprise. And you phrasing it that way has me fascinated. Tell me, he's like playing the outfielder or something. He's playing first base. He's playing first base. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, Xander Bogarts is playing shortstop. Okay. Jonathan Scope is playing second base. And Andrelton Simmons is playing third base. It's actually like, I mean, it's it's a pretty good infield that's, right that's there. That's not bad, yeah. Uh, Didi is playing third base, or first base. He's playing first base. Is this, is Roger Bernardino playing center field for them? Well, this is fantastic. Sure. I want the Netherlands to win. I want the Netherlands to win it all. I don't care I- about the World Baseball Classic, but now I have my team. Man, when the Netherlands first like burst onto the scene, you know, honk ball, honk ball, hoof to class and all that, like they were so captivating. I, I think partially because they had a, what, six foot seven catcher who threw cutters to second base, who ended up being one of the greatest relievers of all time. Um, but they just continue to be this, this fascinating baseball country <sighs> whose influence just continues to be felt. I, I, I love that one of the great defensive shortstops of all time, who's obviously lost to them is, is now pushed over to third base third in base. this, yeah. in, in this defensive alignment. Roger, Bina, R- 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 Roger Bernadina is 38 years old and he last played in the majors in 2014. God bless the shark. Man. <laughs> uh, but getting, getting back to the Phillies for just a second. And speaking of corner infielders, because it, this is actually pretty relevant. The, the bench behind guys like Alec Bohm, the, the reinforcements, the guys who might come in as either, you know, defensive replacements or get the spell starts here and there. Right now, it's Edmundo Sosa and Josh Harrison. I think that's pretty obvious to everybody who's been watching or paying attention for mm-hmm. the last month or two. Um, where things start to get a little more interesting, I think, is the spots on the corners. 
and in center field. Now, my antenna had to get adjusted when Rob Thompson started talking about getting Edmundo Sosa some looks out in center field as a potential alternative to somebody like Dalton Guthrie behind Brandon Marsh. But really, we're looking at a couple of different guys, I think, in this case, uh, notably Jake Cave, who's had a decent spring so far um, at the plate mostly, but uh, has looked passable in the outfield. Uh, you have somebody like Cody Clemens, who I think can play the outfield. I'm not sure if he's had time out there in he's the majors. He's played shortstop this spring, and I don't think he had played shortstop since yeah. college. Yeah, not, Scott Kingery not, has been placed out there. You know, there's yeah. there's some interesting things happening. But really, the one of the battles coming into this spring was for the end of the bench, right? We kind of figured that coming in that we knew that was one of the very few open spots on this roster. And here we are. We can change into the spring here. And very little feels decided on that front. We've had uh, some guys come out looking pretty good. You know, Derek Hall's swinging a nice bat. Uh, Dalton Guthrie hasn't really had much results at the plate, but um, we all know he's speedy and, and and plays a good outfield. We mentioned Cave. We mentioned Clemens. They're also having their moments in the spring. It doesn't feel like anybody's really pulled away right now. Um, with three weeks to go and that World Baseball Classic that we were just talking about coming up now, taking some guys away from camp and opening up more playing time. Uh, how do we see things? They're going to play a lot. These these guys are going to play a lot. So do you think we're going to be able to start drawing any more meaningful conclusion from that extra playing time? Or is it all still just grains of salt? All depends on who they're facing, what the context of the game is, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not really going to know much of, uh, uh, you know, a front runner or somebody breaking away from the pack. For at least another week is that how you see this shaking out yeah i think that's fair i mean i think if you're a Derek hall fan you are heavily invested in ed mundo sosa being able to play some center field like being okay out there yeah and i know that doesn't that might not seem intuitive but if sosa can you know stand in center field once a week or, or once every two weeks which i think that's all they're really thinking about here like i don't think it's not a platoon situation. I think this is just like an insurance policy, but that would be a way for them to get Hall on the roster and, and not, you know, not take another utility type guy, you know, because obviously Hall is one position. It's first base too, yep. I guess if you count the age, but uh, he, you know, he's doing everything they've asked him to. I mean, he's really hit the ball hard. We've seen, you know, at least two or three that I can think of hits that would not have been hits last year for him. Um, because of the shift and, and he is like super excited about, about that. And it's a good point. Like we thought about Schwarber a lot, like, Oh, he's going to really benefit from the lack yeah. of a shift. Derek Hall is really going to benefit from the lack of a shift because he hits the ball damn hard and you know, he hits it to the right side a lot. So um, that's one thing to think about. I, I think if Sosa can, can handle center field once a week or once every two weeks, and then that gives you a chance to get Hall on the roster. I do. Because, um, again, you're looking at Stubbs, Sosa, Harrison as the three locks. You've got two other spots, um, you know, f- four-man bench with a DH, rotating DH. So if Hall is one of those guys, then, you know, and Sosa can play in center field, then maybe you can take Clemens or Cave, who aren't really center fielders. Cave has played some center field. I, I don't know that they consider him really, like, a, a great option out there, especially mm-hmm. since he is also left-handed hitting. Uh, right just right. as Marsh is. So, um, you know, 
Sosa being okay in center is, is very good for Derek Hall. It's very good for Hall. And, and, and Hall's making it tough. Like, he's going to make it tough. If he, if he hits like this all spring, um, or even, even a little less than what he's been hitting because it's been very good, um, it's going to be very hard for him to not, to not take him and, and just make it work. Um, and if it's not the most versatile bench, then I don't know. So be it. I mean, like there's no more pinch hitting because <laughs> there's no pitcher spot anymore. Right. Um, you know, Sosa and Harrison can play all over. Um, you know, how many utility guys do you need on your bench? Like, I don't know. Not, not, not three or four, like two not is four. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Hall's done everything you could ask for. And, and, and he, he does something, one thing very, very well, and that's hit right-handed pitchers. And that's that's a fine guy to have on your bench. You know, I know there's questions like, what, what would happen to him if he doesn't get regular ABs because he's never really had that role. And um, I think that's fair. That I think a lot of that is fair. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'd put him on the team right now. Like, I don't know if that's, like, really going out on a limb. Well, there we go. We have one week in March down, about three <laughs> more to go until opening day still a lot to be decided and the world baseball classic is about to occupy uh, a good chunk of time for the next couple of weeks before everybody reconvenes ahead of the break of camp and the start of the regular season still a lot to be decided nothing we can really call conclusively just yet again the news is probably hopefully but probably not severe on the andrew painter front bailey falter is looking pretty good for that uh fifth starter spot now Alec Bohm, you hope what he's showing you now is real. And then we have the end of the bench, uh, hopefully coming together over the next couple of weeks. Still a lot of time for somebody to separate himself from the pack. Maybe two guys make things a little bit interesting. Either way, you're probably going to get a lot of opportunities to see some of these guys duke it out for these bench spots um, with the the thinner rosters splitting up for the world baseball. I appreciate you trying to pump yourself up for the next three weeks. (laughs) It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time to watch some baseball because I don't mind the world baseball classic. I like that. It's back after six years. I like novelty things like this. So I'll definitely be checking some of it out, even though the times are, are very strange for a parent of a toddler. Um, I'm going to try and make it work, but the, the Philly spring training games, I think if I'm feeling really feisty and want to fire up a, a feed of that to watch, you know, what kind of lineup they're trotting out there in the seventh inning of it came against the minor leaguers. Tigers or blue Jays. There's going to be dudes yeah. wearing three digit numbers on the back of their jerseys. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Netherlands is my WC team now. And the Phillies actually have a player uh, on yes. the Netherlands and he is a really Jade interesting. Nesnista. Yes. He's interesting. Yeah. He's a he, he is... prospect and mm-hmm. uh, people really like him. There's uh he's kind of an under the radar dude. He's definitely somebody to keep an eye on if you want one of those. Yeah, like you mentioned. What time is that game? You going to stay up like at 3 a.m. or something to watch this WBC game? I If if my son had just been born, I would be awake and like I'd be watching this. But Doing my breathing exercises. I'm going to be sleeping. Mm, Trying to psych myself up. I think I can do it. I can't do it. I'm going to try. And I think that's the most important part. The, The first rule is to try your best and have fun. Okay. That's where we sit after one week of March. Still a lot of spring training baseball to be played. A lot of world baseball, classic baseball to be played. Check that out if you're so inclined. Uh, Matt, anything else coming up for you in the next couple of days or week apart from your bone story over on The Athletic? A couple other stories I'm working on. There's there's a story that I think everyone, uh, not everyone, but people have been kind of paying attention to and have figured, you know, it's not very hard to hide. I mean, they've given basically every pitcher uh, a cutter, and uh, it's an interesting <laughs> story. There's, there's cool things 
there's a cool reasons uh, behind it, and uh, I'm going to write about that. That's coming up. Right on. All right, so stay tuned for that. Theathletic.com, Matt Gelb's piece is always worth the subscription price alone. Phillies are back at it for more spring training baseball, and we will be back at it with you at some point next week. We'll check in with you again, hopefully with, uh, you know, exhaling being allowed on the Andrew Painter front officially this time, but we'll see how that goes. For Matt, I'm Paul. We'll see you when we see you.